Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Welcome into the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, December 26th, a Sunday. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Uh, good to be talking Gamecocks again after the Christmas break. Um, meant to get some podcast love out on New Year's Eve. I'm sorry, Christmas Eve uh, with the bowl and everything. Just uh, a lot going on. Um, first and foremost, for those of you that are members of the thebigspur.com or maybe you follow us on Twitter or, or something like that, you, you know that my good friend and colleague John Whittle is uh, – you know, in the hospital right now, battling COVID. Um, he, I can tell you, he's been vaccinated. That's it's a breakthrough case. Uh, it's a serious situation. He is stable and doing well as of 10.30 a.m. Eastern time on December 26, 2021. It sucks that he was in the hospital over Christmas. Uh, but uh, from what he told me and what he put out there on Twitter, I'm very, very overwhelmed by the response, all of you guys, all of Gamecock Nation and, and even others, uh, the response and, and the well wishes and the prayers and and all of that. And uh, just continue to pray if you're a praying person or to, to have a positive thought in your head for John Whittle. Uh, I'll just tell you this, you know, Whittle sort of manages the BigSpur.com for me and, and for Tony Morrell uh, the day-to-day. Uh, he's done that for years now. Uh we we consider him an invaluable part of of our organization, and I think he's an invaluable part of the the Gamecock media ecosystem. Uh, and I think that uh, you know it's a scary situation whenever somebody that you know you, you care about uh, is sick. And uh, quite frankly, uh, you know, I, on the message board on the Bigspur dot com, Plano's PBG. Uh, there's a lot of you out there that, that, that uh, have had some tough times uh, this Christmas uh, season, you know, with family or health issues, uh, not just COVID, but other stuff. And, uh, you know, I strongly believe that uh, 
you know, sometimes the, the, the darkness gets dark, the darkest before the dawn. And uh, I believe in the power of prayer and positive thinking. And I just want to say that all of you out there on a personal level, um, praying for you, care about you. Uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm a very passionate person and debater and I, I come across as opinionated because that that's kind of my job. You know, if, if I was just a, like a marshmallow and, you know, just talk, you know, changed with the wind and, and, and all that, I don't think you guys would listen, but um, uh, I'm also a very caring person. And uh, I believe, you know, that all of us are kind of extended family and um, it breaks my heart to see, uh, you know, even, even though I don't know, you know, some of these people personally, I don't even know their real names, message board posters um, breaks my heart to see anybody going through that, especially Christmas. Uh, and, uh, and that includes Whittle and everybody else. So I, I just, I just want to say that, you know, you know, positive thinking prayer, wh- whatever you do, just keep, keep, uh, your fellow, uh, Gamecock family, extended family friends, um, and, and their families in mind. Uh, cause there's, there's several people that, um, you know, and, and, and that's just what's public or what's on the message board. It's not, uh, you, you never know who else is going through stuff. So uh, I just, uh, um, there was just enough of it w- with Whittle and everything to where I felt like I should mention it right off the top. Uh, and just about John Whittle, what he means to me, I- I'll tell you this, you know, uh, he's worked for me, started out working for me as a volunteer uh, in 2007 covering baseball. And then he gradually worked out, worked his way up and uh, became a full-time employee um, and full-time employee now of 24 seven CBS and, and us. And, um, has made a great life for himself uh, financially through hard work uh, first and foremost, but also having a knack for the business and and knowing what to do and when and having a passion for it. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll share this with you real quick about, about seven years ago, I was going through a really hard time uh, in my life and this is 2015. It's about six, well, it'll be seven years uh, this March and, and, you know, Whittle helped me so much get through that um, just on a personal level uh, as a friend. And, and that's what kind of person he is, you know, is just a great uh, individual. And, um, you know, I, I, there aren't many people that are better than Whittle. I wish I could be more like him uh, in my life. So uh, anyway, last I checked with him, he was hanging in there and doing well and uh, stable and so the situation hadn't gotten worse. Uh, it could get better, but uh, it hasn't gotten worse. And so just please continue to pray for Whittle and all, all Gamecocks going through a hard time. News and notes segment, obviously sponsored by uh, Sydney Sear Falls Realtor. No, wait a minute. Sorry. Gosh. Shoot, I had that great, uh, great opening deal there. And uh, then I messed up the sponsor. Heritage Digital, Matt Odom. Uh, please give him a call. Uh, turnkey solutions guys for uh, all your technical needs at work. I know, you know, internet when it doesn't work well, as you heard at the opening of the show, uh, you know, you need to get, uh, get that fixed and to turn, like I said, low monthly fee, they'll take care of you at heritage. Uh, okay. Since last we talked, Gamecock basketball has played a game one Oh five 75 win over army 61 points in the first half, first half of basketball. The Gamecocks have scored over 60 since, 
The Duke game in the NCAA tournament, man, I still can't believe Carolina scored 65 points against the Dukies in Greenville in the second half. One of the best halves of basketball, I think, in Gamecock basketball history. Uh, but they, they scored 61 against Army. It was kind of an up-and-down game. Uh, Chico Carter continues to play well, scored in the 20s. Uh, Devin Carter scored a bunch, and he's a very promising freshman. Uh, again, I, I think if South Carolina can get through all the COVID protocol stuff and not have any more issues, uh, I think they're probably behind as far as gelling as a team. Um, just because people have been in and out of the lineup, Cousinart's been hurt, Bryant was suspended. Uh, and I think one of the keys to the rest of the season is going to be those two veteran guys blending with the new guys uh, a bit. Um but the game kind of scored 105 points, 105-75 against Army. Uh, moved to nine and three on the season, eight and three if you don't count the Allen game. Um, and you know they're in position. You know it's, it's all going to come down to the SEC season, but in a position to make a run at the postseason uh, NCAA tournament, preferably. The Gamecocks sit at 104th in the net rankings. Uh, that's 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 higher than previous years when they've lost some very bad non-conference games. The Coastal game was bad just because of the score and all that. But uh, Clemson is a tier one loss. Uh, and Carolina was shorthanded in that one, obviously. Uh, I think it could have been a different outcome had the Gamecocks had their full allotment of players. Uh, so you look at it and, uh, you, you know, one thing on the resume – uh, that the Gamecocks are lacking is true road wins. They're 0-2 at Coastal, at Clemson. Uh, that means wins on other opponents' home courts. That They've won neutral side games, Florida State and uh, Western Kentucky in the, uh, in the Asheville game, Asheville Classic Tournament at the beginning. So they've won away from the arena, but they just haven't won those true road games. So road games, I think, in terms of that, you know, boosting that net, road wins in the SEC, which are going to be hard to come by, uh, are, are going to be necessary for South Carolina to uh, to make a run. And uh, that's just kind of the way the, the basketball bounces this year. Uh, and and you have, I've heard some people, too, talk about, well, Frank Martin didn't schedule this team tough. I, I think it's one of those things, guys, where he did. But, you know, you, you sit there and you schedule Georgetown and Florida State. You know, Georgetown won the Big East last year. Florida State's supposed to be one of the best teams in the ACC. Uh, and they've both been a little disappointing uh, in the non-conference. And, and so you just got to kind of pull for the Hoyas and Seminoles uh, to boost that. And, and that's something that could help Carolina, too. Florida State right now sitting at 76th um, in, the, uh, in the net ranking. Uh, that's ahead of Louisville and some others. Uh, you know, and like when you look at what they were predicted to do, Leonard Hamilton's team, you know, should be among the best in the league. Uh, so that wins, that wins going to mean quite a bit, I think, uh, if they can turn it around. And then Georgetown, six and five, struggling, 162nd, 162nd, uh, dead last in the Big East from a net ranking standpoint. But that league is very strong. So there's, there's going to be some opportunity for the Hoyas. Uh, to get hot and moving around Patrick Ewing's team. Um, it'd be good for the Gamecocks if they could get up. I think they're not quite a tier two win yet, but if they can get up into tier two, that's good. I don't have the tiers in front of me, but, uh, you know, that's uh, those are the teams you should pull forward. 
I always say this, and you know, I'm not joking when I say it. You pull for Clemson in basketball. That's that's the one sport. You know, I mean, nobody nobody's gonna sit there and pull for Clemson in baseball because of the RPI or whatever. Uh, just because it's a rivalry in that sport, both both programs at different points have been nationally prominent. You, you don't need that, uh, and certainly not in football. Nobody nobody goes and pulls for the art travel in football, but basketball is a different story. You kind of all help each other out. Uh, quite frankly, it stunk to lose that game if you're the Gamecocks, but uh, you know because you want to beat those guys <laughs> in sports, but. Um, you know, you got to pull for them. If they can make some noise in the ACC, that's only going to help South Carolina. Uh, and so that's kind of the deal there. Uh, I'd also say, you know, you, you look at UAB, they're right there in the top 50 right now. Uh, number one in Conference USA. Western Kentucky also is in the top five in the Conference USA. So you're going to have to pay attention to those guys too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with basketball and all that. Gamecocks uh, football program, football team, arrived in Charlotte yesterday uh, in the Hilton downtown. Uh, it's the HQ for the uh, Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. Uh, and, I, and, yeah, and, look, I, I kind of like the fact that, you know, you think about bowl games and you think about the names of them over the years, you know, the fish bowl. I mean, I don't know. It's usually named after some sort of fruit or, I don't know about condiments, but has there has there been a ketchup or mustard bowl? But I kind of like the fact it's called the mayonnaise bowl, the Duke's mayonnaise bowl. Then I think the Duke's people, their marketing department, play it up a lot better than Belk or Continental Tire. I guess was the other sponsor of the Charlotte Bowl. I think I think it started as the Queen City Bowl. Uh, we should have been fine too, but uh, the Duke's mayonnaise people are all in, you know, because you, know, you know, you had Clemson and Georgia and the Duke's mayonnaise kickoff, uh, East Carolina and App State too on that Thursday to kick off the season. So, uh, I kind of the mayonnaise bowl is kind of kind of cool, you know. I wish I wish Birmingham would have kept the pizza bowl, but that, that was kind of confusing, but uh, it was uh, one of those things. So Gamecocks will play the Tar Heels. Uh, I wrote yesterday on the Big Spur. Yeah, yesterday on the BigSpur.com. Gamecocks, you don't think about this. They have a six-game losing streak against ACC opponents. Um, and just by comparison, Steve Spurrier is 10 and a half years at South Carolina, was 12 and 5 uh, against the ACC and only lost one game to a non-Clemson ACC team. You know, because you play Clemson every year, you're going to take some losses. Uh, even when they're kind of your your equal, I guess it's a rivalry. But uh, you know, he, he lost one game, Florida State in the Peach Bowl. That was the game Marcus Lattimore got knocked out in 2010 on New Year's Eve down at the Georgia Dome. Um, unfortunate loss. EJ Manuel, Jimbo Fisher, the Seminoles, Florida State beat him 26-17. So uh, you know, the, the, well, between Muschamp and then Beamer against Clemson this year. Carolina's lost more to the ACC than they did the entire Spurrier era. Um, and so that needs to be reversed. Now, will it Thursday? Realistically, would you? Would I lean toward that? Probably not. But, uh, you know, that, that's something that needs to be reversed. And, you know, all these little minor things that, you know, South Carolina under the previous staff started to trend in the wrong direction for um, – and people are like, why do you care about that? That's not, they're not winning the SEC or 
you're not talking about beating, you know, Georgia or anything. And no, I'm not. Uh, but you have minimal standards to, for a program. And, you know, you look and where, where, where is this program thrived? And, and, you know, very, again, very minor thing coming into this season, South Carolina had lost two season openers in a row. And since 2000, the Gamecocks have only lost one season opener. And that was that A&M, the infamous Texas A&M beat down in 2014. Other than that, you know, Carolina's won. And they haven't always played, you know, an FCS team or a, a group of five team in the opener. I mean, they've gone to Vandy and won, Mississippi State and won. They beat North Carolina, NC State. You know, they don't – this program hasn't, you know, always scheduled a cupcake to open the year. Um, and, in fact, they they opened the season uh, – uh, Thursday night for a long time with a you know allegedly a good opponent. So you look at it and uh, you know that was something that was lost beating Eastern Illinois, which was not a difficult task. I'm not saying, but it gets you back. Okay, so now you have won one opener in a row. You know after losing to North Carolina and Tennessee the last two years, so you go in and got Georgia State next year. So you get that streak going back. The, the other streak was, you know, they I think Carolina won 11. It was either 11 or 13 straight ball games against teams from North Carolina until 2019 when the Tar Heels beat the Gamecocks and then embarrassingly so App State. And I say embarrassing, and that's not that's not a knock on App because I have great respect for their program, but South Carolina's defense that night in 20, 2019 held App State to 202 yards. I mean, App's offense is what's, you know, pretty potent and what could beat you. Uh, and Carolina couldn't score and lost 20 to 15. So two straight against North Carolina teams, the, the win as ugly as it was at East Carolina. And by the way, uh, for those of you that don't know, East, East Carolina's in a bowl game again, they, they play in the military bowl on Monday tomorrow. Uh, so that, they actually had a pretty good season. Actually, hold on. They don't, they do not play in the military bowl. Uh, it's been canceled. Uh, Brett McMurphy just reported it, actually. Actually, our guy Stephen from uh, Hoist the Colors, our East Carolina site, reported it. And so it's been canceled. But they did get to a bowl, and they did have a good year. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things. And uh, the COVID thing, uh, I kind of think, I don't know. I'll talk about COVID if and when it affects the Gamecocks again. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of cancellations and all that good stuff, but uh, tired of talking about that too. Um, right now, you know, with, with Whittle in the hospital ser- in serious shape, you know, it's probably just not the time, but it has been canceled. So the minute I said East Carolina's in a bowl Monday, uh, cancellation came through on my text. It was breaking news, breaking news. Um, you know, so Carolina arrived uh, right now. They're practicing right now. Uh, complete coverage on the big spur later. Uh, not a whole lot in terms of news coming out of the football program uh, since the Tanner Bailey commit. You know, they kind of broke for Christmas or, or whatever. Uh, oh, there's a couple of things. Sherrod Green is coming back um, for a sixth year. Uh, you know, gosh, you just hate it for Sherrod because 2020 happens. I think he got hurt against Tennessee in that opener, didn't play again. 
And then this season, a really good first two games against Eastern Illinois and uh, uh, East Carolina. And then he goes down to Georgia and gets hurt again. Heartbreaking. Uh, and they missed him. You know, Sherrod's a pretty fast guy, pretty athletic guy. So he's coming back, and that helps the linebacking core next season. And hopefully that group uh, continues to improve. Uh, and you, you got several options, you know, with Green coming back. Uh, I think Brad Johnson's coming back. I don't know what ultimately will happen with him uh, because Mo Cabba's sitting there, Debo Williams is sitting there, Bam Scott redshirted, uh, Colby Fields redshirted. Uh, and then you, you don't know what's going to happen in the portal. I, I do think if they can get a good linebacker, uh, a, a veteran that can come in and start, they will take him. So, you know, hopefully that boosts the linebacker. Cam Smith, uh, all SEC cornerback, is coming back next season. Uh, you know, definitely. And you start to add it all up, guys and, and gals. And, and South Carolina's got a lot of players coming back. And then they're adding more. That's kind of how you do it. So, with a lot of returning guys, with a six and six, six and seven, seven and six record this year, you know you're going to probably have a little bit more of an optimistic off season. Uh, hopefully, it's not too optimistic, and because that that's when when expectations are too high. That's sometimes when the bottom falls out. And I think that's that's the case with a lot of programs these days. You know, I I, I see it. Especially in the SEC East, you always have like the the off season darlings, and you know I think Missouri's been that team too over the last three years. Uh, Kentucky was that team this year too, but they went they went to the Citrus Bowl, so they're nine and three, and they did meet expectations. I, th- I think uh, that Mississippi State loss for the Wildcats had to be tough, but um, you know you just look at it, and uh, uh, you know Carolina just kind of focusing on the Gamecocks that they're going to have a lot of veteran players back. Uh, that'll get better this offseason. And so it, it, it's shaping up right now pretty good. Uh, and certainly Cam Smith, you know, really good year this year. I think he could have a great year uh, in 2022 uh, coming back, working with Tory and Gray, Clayton White, and those guys yet again. Um, so South Carolina, you know, getting some guys back. That was some more news. Uh, just to go through it again, Jason Brown, quarterback, has opted out. J.J. Anikbare has opted out to get ready for the draft. Uh, and then, um, uh, oh, shoot. Oh, it's the Quantrade White. How can I forget him? And, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about that, about opting out for bowls and stuff. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, there's a way to fix it. Um, and with that, we're going to move into the analysis segment of our podcast. <laughs> That's it for the news and notes. Uh, analysis is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss. Cindy Searfoss Realtor. She also sponsors the the uh, score prediction every week. Uh, prediction Wednesday. I think it'll be this week at least, maybe Tuesday. Uh, Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker, Kane Real Estate uh, in the Upstate. Over thirty five years, my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact her eight six four four one four five two seven one or email her. C. Searfoss at cbcane.com. That's C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. We know the real estate market's crazy these days. Uh, we know there's a lot going on, and you need a professional with Cindy's experience to guide you through it. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan who's also a heck of a guy, frequent podcast listener, um, super, super person. So 
you know, you're not going to be in better hands uh, if you're in the upstate and need real estate help uh, than you will be with Cindy. 864-414-5271. Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker, Kane, Spartanburg, uh, not just Spartanburg County, though, you know, Union, Cherokee, Greenville, Anderson, Oconee, Greenwood, uh, Lawrence, uh, how uh, I guess I guess Newberry going down twenty six right would be where the the Midlands picks up uh, Union. That's a Union. I don't know, uh, but that's the Upstate. So uh, Cindy's here, Foss Caldwell Banker Kane sponsors the analysis segment of our podcast each and every uh, single day, and and so um. Opting out, right? So, all right. So, so everybody's up in arms about opting out, and I, I think it's quite frankly, you know, it used to not be an issue. The bowl games were when you'd end the season, but you have the national media talking about how uh, you know awful the bowls are and how they're just scrimmages and they're meaningless and all this other stuff, and you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, bowls are part of college football, you know, and, and and I think that a lot of people, because of their worldview, uh, d- they don't respect tradition a whole lot. Um, I, you know, people are, why does it make sense? Well, you know, if you're trying to protect your draft status, it probably doesn't. Um, I don't blame Debo Samuel for opting out of the belt bowl. Uh, if Debo, even if Debo had have been a guy that, allow Carolina to beat Virginia. Uh, you know, that's fine. I mean, Debo, Debo's down there covering punts against Akron in the rain, uh, making plays on special teams at the end of the season. Uh, you know, that's a guy that's given it his all. Same thing with Zaquandre White, man. That guy's had a hard road to travel. Uh, and the scouts, from what I've been told with White, think if he'd have gotten more touches this year, he'd had 1,500 yards total. They think he's a three-down back. That's valuable for the NFL. You may not think that because the stats aren't that great, but the scouts look at it differently, especially at running back, especially a guy like White who, you know, people probably not expecting you to take him in the sixth round, and you sneak him in there in the right organization, and all of a sudden he's a star. And like I said, three-down back. He can he can catch passes too. That's a valuable thing about him. Um, so White – uh opted out. Enig Barre, I expected to opt out. And look, I'm 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 kind of with JJ. He started pretty fast. He's had some great plays this year. I'm looking forward to seeing Jordan Strong though out there and more of Jordan Birch and you know with Aaron Sterling on the other side. Another thing is JJ. I mean obviously they need him, but uh, uh he's out for the bowl game as well. Probably I think JJ could sneak in with a good combine or a great combine could sneak into the first round, but I, I'm I'm feeling more that second round vibe. Uh, and then with Brown, you know, uh, you get Rattler. Yeah, he's got to go find a place he he feels like he can start. And whether that's Group of Five, whether that's back to FCS, you know, some folks out there just trash the guy and don't think he's that good. I'll remind you, he was the best quarterback this year. Uh, uh, I'll remind you that, you know, because of Doty's injury and then he re-injured it against Vandy, that, that things were quickly falling apart with him at the helm against Vanderbilt. Zeb came in and saved the game. I'll also remind you that Zeb was ineffective because nothing against him, but uh, 
He's not the uh, uh, mobile enough. And then I'll remind you that because of Jason Brown's skill set, sure, yeah. I mean, and I think everybody's got the Clemson game in their mind, and that was that was a function of a lot of things. I'm certainly not saying he played well against the Tigers, but uh, I'll remind you that Jason Brown, you know, avoiding pressure, keeping his eyes downfield, what quarterbacks do, and and connecting on some plays allowed the Gamecocks to score points and win and. Uh, I don't think some of you remember that before he took over, how hard it was to score points. And, and I think he, I think against Missouri, he was put into a completely awful situation game plan wise with no help. And, you know, look, he scrambled around, made some plays, kept the Gamecocks in it, in my opinion. Uh, is he perfect or great? Is he good? You know, is, is he a guy uh, like a Spencer Rattler or like maybe Luke Doty will be when he gets healthy and starts to develop more? Probably not, but he, he's also a guy that's not completely worthless. And, I, and I've talked to other coaches from other staffs about that, too. Um, so, you know, hate on him all you want for opting out. I understand why he did it. Time is of the essence when you're talking about quarterbacks. Um, and, uh, you know, just wish him the best. He's a really good kid. I mean, a really good person. Not, not a selfish guy at all. Uh, loves his teammates. Worked his butt off. Bided his time. And, look. Quite frankly, the Auburn and Florida wins were big. That's that's kind of the highlight of the season, folks. Beating Auburn and beating Florida. You know, those of you that look at recruiting rankings and go, oh, we'll never have a chance. Uh, go, go compare Auburn and Florida and LSU's classes to South Carolina's rankings-wise. They all have the same record the Gamecocks do. Um, and Carolina beat Florida and beat Auburn. So, you know, I'm not saying that Brown was the reason – they won those games, but I, I do think that when you're talking about being able to run the football, which the Gamecocks did successfully in those games, you know, you, you have to respect Brown's ability to make plays downfield. You can't just stack the box and then dare them to throw and get pressure. You, you know, you're not going to get pressure unless you're like Clemson good up front or on defense with, with three or four, you're going to have to get after it. And uh, with Brown, you know, you can't really blitz because he can, he can make you pay. You know, he can just wiggle out of there and fire downfield. Somebody's wide open. So, um, just a reminder on that. You know, Brown did good. So, so the opt out. So, analysis on this is this. I, I think, you know, that people are like the bowls are dead. And 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 I'm going to tell you why they're not. And Mike Morgan and I on the JC Morgan podcast. And Mike knows as good as anybody. Mike works for ESPN. Okay. He talks about this all the time. The bowls are going nowhere because what they are is programming. Uh, you don't have a lot of, you know, what, what kind of, you know, without college football bowl games this time of year, what do you do? College basketball, eh, a few big non-conference here and there. Uh, you don't really have the Christmas tournaments anymore in college basketball. Uh, you got the NFL, which that's not an ESPN thing right now. Uh, NBA, NHL, they're just kind of, I mean, Christmas day, obviously in the NBA ends up being pretty big, but uh, like a big showcase deal, but, you know, so, 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 so what do you put on in you know, bowl games? You know, you have bowl week and a bowl just about every night over the holidays and every day. And so I'll say this, you know, you look at the ratings and somebody mentioned this in an article in the athletic BYU versus UAB in the, in the independence bowl, good old Shreveport. You guys have been, some of you have been there. I've been there twice to watch the game Cox three times. Actually, I went there once on my way to Texas. Um, you know, 
that drew what a 3.2, something like that rating. Uh, the Stanford South Carolina women's basketball game was under one. And that was a very, a well-watched women's college basketball game. Uh, Duke, North Carolina, whoever else in college basketball, the, the bowls outdraw. Um, and part of that's because of sports gambling. You know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but the ratings, and you can sell that to advertisers, and that's how they make money. And it's not a coincidence that ESPN owns most of these bowls, that they're ESPN productions. It's ready-made content. So how, how do we get fans back excited about it? Like fans, got people don't care about gambling. They just like watching college ball. Uh, well, number one, I think everybody's still watching. You know, I, I don't, I think people complain, but everybody's still watching. Number two, uh, I think ESPN and the bowl games can really, because you can't pay to play. You can't sit there and go, hey, if you don't opt out, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to pay you to endorse Duke's mayonnaise as part of our package, right? You know, hey, uh, you know, Zaquandre White, don't opt out. Duke's mayonnaise is going to give you 50 grand to, to come play in the game. You know, you can't tell him that. But what you can do is put together a package. Uh, every one of these bowls has sponsors, big-time sponsors. And you just got to cut the, cut the players in on it. Okay, we're going to. You know, we're, for this bowl, you know, five of you, five of you guys, wink, wink, nod, nod, the five that are taking, talking about opting out or whatever, you know, we're going to select five guys to be, uh, you know, Duke's mayonnaise ambassadors. And, and I don't know that the number's 50 grand. I don't know what that number is. I'm not smart enough uh, to figure that out right now. But, uh, you know, make it worth their while. The other thing they could do is this from a fan's interest is the NCAA, of course, they don't ever do. They don't do a whole lot that makes sense. It's just say, okay, we got the four-game redshirt rule. That only applies to, like, the regular season and conference championship games. Uh, the bowls are a free-for-all. They're, you know, if, if, you have, if you've played in four and you're trying to preserve your redshirt, you can still do that by playing in the bowl. Like Ernest Jones a couple of years ago blew his redshirt because he had to play in the bowl pool. Uh, Ernest wouldn't have to do that, you know. Also, anybody that's enrolled or part of your program after the semester ends in December that's enrolling in January uh, can go, th- go through bowl practice and, and, and be eligible. You know, so I, 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 I think that's uh, part of, uh, you know, a better enticement not only for fans but for players. And there's no reason why bowls can't strengthen – the product on the field in terms of, you know, players opting out and stuff without, I mean, you know, there's no reason they can't strengthen it with NIL in my opinion. And then when you're selling uh, recruiting, you know, and you're selling, I mean, you can't really ever, you know, there's so many bowls and stuff these days. You can't really, you know, you can't really sit there and go, Hey, we were in the Outback bowl six times. (laughs) Great. Uh, but the better the bowl, the the better the uh, money, and, and I think that's something programs, you know, like South Carolina can sell. Hey, look, we, you know, we've been to you know the Outback and Capital One. You know, we'll go back to the the run under Spurry. You know, you had the Peach. We went to Capital One twice. We went to the Outback twice. Here's how much money our best players made off that bowl. Um, it's not just the gift back, you know, and, and the fancy hotel and the Outback Steakhouse meals and all that. It's a it's a little more serious. There's a little more enticement. 
uh, to go play. And, and then that way, the better bowl you, the better the bowl you get in, the, the better recruiting you can do. Uh, and I think it also would help in recruiting with, without it being kind of like playoff crazy. You know, granted the playoffs what matters. And I, yes, I, I hope it goes to 12 really soon. I think that's huge, uh, especially for a program like South Carolina. But you want to make the bowls matter? Let's, uh, you know, let's up the ante and let's let the players get, you know, a big slice of the pie and certain select players, you know, you entice them for, and you're still going to get guys, you know, that are going to be, you know, lock, rock solid first rounders, like a quarterback that's, you know, hey, well, yeah, you can give me whatever the thousand, but I'm about to be a millionaire. <laughs> and if I blow up my knee, uh, I may not be, you know, so you're still going to have stuff like that. But um, I do think that, you know, you want to curb some of the opting out because uh, some of these guys leave just like it was a Quandre White's leaving uh, to go prepare for the combine, you know, because he's not necessarily a lot to get drafted. Well, you know, what you say to him is you go, hey, look, uh, you come play in the mayonnaise bowl. You know, here's how much money you're going to get right now. It's going to give you another chance to showcase your skills in front of scouts, and then you can go prepare. Uh, and I think making it worth their while would help. Some of these guys, too, uh, and I don't know any examples at Carolina, but some of these guys, too, like they, they don't have any money, all right? And it's the end of the semester. You've been there all you know, you're spending money, your stipend's gone or whatever. And the minute they go and, and declare and, and leave the program, you know, their agent can float them thousands of dollars. That's how you why you see guys going out to Phoenix and down to Florida to, to play. That costs money, but the agents do that and take care of them. So this could be another buffer uh for NIL, I think, uh, you know, for, for the bowls. NIL NIL could save the bowls. And uh I actually want to thank one of our posters, I don't remember his name on the Big Spur, brought that up and I was like, this is a good idea. Uh, but that would make it a little more interesting. I think incorporating some of the minor bowls to the 12 team playoff will be interesting. Uh, I also can, t- you know, with, with a 12 team playoff, you're not going to need a group of five playoff, but um, you know, I, I don't know what you do to make the other ones interesting or whatnot, but uh, that's my take on that. And, and, and they're not meaningless. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the problem is, is that, you know, the national media, which, you know, loves to talk about everything that's wrong with college football, uh, but nothing that's right. <laughs> you know, do I think it's cool that, you know, coaches are getting a hundred million bucks uh, and players get, you know, $200, $500 a month living expenses? No. Do I think they need to split that hundred million and give 50 million to the players in college football? No. Uh, because I think this, I've said it from the beginning, um, you know, you, you've got uh, brands that, that are very, very powerful in college football. I mean, think about South Carolina and think about uh, USA Today comes out with the, the worth of the program, 16th most valuable program in the country, uh, one conference championship <laughs> in the 60s, uh, and then one division title uh, in the SEC uh, 11 years ago. Not necessarily a name that's synonymous, but you but you have with, with massive success in college football. But you have programs like that all over the place. You know, legions of fans, legions of of support. And if it were just about winning and great players, and and if, if this were a sport where 
it's just the great players that drive it, uh, like professional sports, then, then you would have situations where, like, you know, I watched the New York Jets game the other day. I mean, there's 15 people in the stands. <laughs> and there's a lot of Jets fans. But, you know, professional sports, if you don't have great players and you suck, you're, you're not going to draw. But college is more about the, the, the brand uh, of the school. Some of these brands have been around for 200 years. And, and they have tremendous value. And, and, and I think, you know, some of the national media that just, they just, they just want to gripe. And a lot of them don't like coaches. It's kind of funny because uh, one of the guys, you know, made a comment. I don't remember which one. That South Carolina lacks the sophistication of other athletic departments in the SEC. Okay. Sophistication. Well, what in the hell does that mean? Sophistic. Ray Tanner, you know, they don't have white tablecloths when recruits visit. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's not, you know, they're not as, uh, you know, they're not paying coach. I mean, yeah, what, what, what does that mean? And, and it's a direct shot at the fact there's a coach, a former coach running the athletics department. Now, I'm not getting into whether Ray does a good job or bad job or not. I'm just saying, you know, there was no deep dive uh, into the South Carolina athletic program. None. Uh, this guy probably read that ridiculous letter to the editor that, that the, the guy from Anderson sent about uh, the percentage of spending or whatever. And uh, without any context, just stupidity, uh, basically there. Um, basically probably read something like that or got on the message board and said, oh, these people really hate Ray Tanner and just threw him completely under the bus because he doesn't like coaches. You know, th- these these folks are mad mad like viscerally mad at coaches making doing the american thing and capitalizing on their success now our coaching salaries out of hand that, that's a different subject okay that's a different subject and it all gets back to value what is the value okay so let's talk about value of players they're valuable because they players are what helps you win. <laughs> you can be the best coach ever, and if you can't get players, you're not going to win, especially at the highest level of college football. You know that said, you know what what defines the best players? It's certainly not the star ratings or offer list or, or things like that. Percentage wise, those end up being the better players. Percentage wise, like more of them pan out. Percentage wise. But there's no sure thing, just like the NFL. Your first-round draft picks don't always pan out. That's football, okay? So you're sitting there going, well, these guys need this and that and the other. But they need their share of this. Okay, well, 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 all right, so whose fault is this? You know, the NCAA is a sham. I tend to believe that, but I also believe that there's feelings in the NCAA in a lot of these places that don't care about athletics as much that are anti-coach as well and anti-sport as well. So, you know, you're going to just throw the institutions of college football under the bus because you think it's, it's the, 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 there's no justice. in it. Okay. So great. So who are we talking about that? There's not a lot of justice. Well, you're great players that uh, could go make a living tomorrow playing pro football. Well, who are those? 
But you got to wait a couple of years. You can't just say, hey, Quinn Ewers is worth seven figures because he may end up being, but he may not. That We may be laughing at that. And I'll tell you right now, watching this film, great prospect, great quarterback. I've seen a lot better during my time, folks. I don't know who the hell was deciding that. Uh, and I'm certainly not in a position to make a comparative analysis with every quarterback in the country and who needs to be one or whatever. And I think he's a great player. But compared to some other number one quarterbacks over the years or number one players, I I, I don't know. I wouldn't give him seven figures. Take my chances. You know, that, the other five-star kid that's going to Clemson from the state of town, I'd probably take my chances with him uh, just to be straight or the, or the kid that ended up in Oklahoma that was committed to Florida. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm just not kind of surprised. So, you know, so how do we determine that? Well, you know, you do this and the other. Okay, so so, so here, here's the deal. If you think that these guys it, – it, so, so, so you get down to it, and I'll have one more point here. Okay, so college football's uh, people go well. College football's optional. You don't have to go play. It's it's a free country. Well, a very strong counter argument to that is, well, if you want to play pro football, you have to play college. That's the gateway. There's no minor league, and that's absolutely true and a valid point. So, whose freaking responsibility is it financially, you know, setup wise? Uh, doing right by your players, whose responsibility is it to create a minor league or a developmental program for professional football? It's the NFL. It's not college football. It's the NFL. And here's where it gets to be intellectually dishonest, folks, completely. Because the the, the national media and everybody else, the the people that don't even really like the sport and and that don't like uh, the vast majority that have disdain for the vast majority of the people that love the sport, you know, much of it is because there's a lot of passion for it in the South. And these people are, you know, coastal folks, uh, North, you know, California, Northeast coastal folks, uh, roots are elsewhere. They don't understand the passion, um, you know, or, you know, but it's not all because of the South, because, I tell you what, the Midwest, uh, tech, I mean, college football can exist with passion anywhere, from Los Angeles to Starkville, Mississippi, uh, to the suburbs of, of New York with Rutgers in New Jersey. They have passionate fans. People don't realize that. Um, to Ann Arbor, Michigan, to Champaign, Illinois, to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, it, it is a it is Seattle, Washington with the Huskies. They have Washington Huskies have great fans. It is a universally beloved sport in our country. Uh, I do think that some of the people with disdain for the people that love it uh, probably like other sports better, you know, and and that's the thing there. So there's a disdain for it. And so where the disconnect happens is, oh, these 3% of the players that are going to go play pro ball, you know, they're not getting their share and they could get hurt and whatever. And that's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. It is a, what happened to Marcus Lattimore is a tragedy, you know, and because Marcus was one of the few that after his second season at Carolina, he could have gone and carried toe to the rock in the NFL. No problem. He was just so physically advanced. Uh, same thing with Clowney, you know, and then those are the only two that have come through here that I think, oh, yeah, maybe Stephon Gilmore. But uh, other, otherwise, that takes a while. So, so whose responsibility is it? 
to create a, a, a income opportunity for football players that are, you know, projecting to play pro football uh, before they get to college. It's not the college football. It's the NFL. College football has been around since before there was an NFL, folks. Um, the NFL takes advantage of college football. You know, you don't have to fund a minor league. You've got great coaches in college. They make good money in college. They develop players for you. You don't have to pay them. So, so, so who's the bad guy? These colleges with these brands and these legions of passionate fans that, uh, you know, people that don't live in big cities or that do, you know, or that don't, uh, or in states that don't have professional sports like Alabama and South Carolina where, and Mississippi and places like that where college ball is everything. You know, wh- whose responsibility is Is it on them? You know, they just have to, they have to scale back and just give up pieces of the pie. Now, these institutions have spent a century or two building these brands. Going back to the early 1900s, the Ivy League, oh, old chap, Oh, chap, I say, well, well, Harvard, where our boys beat Yale today? And I got the sweater on and stuff, leather helmets. So, so whose responsibility is it to, to create opportunity for players that can do it to skip the college process so they can get the development and be pro football players? Well, I mean, well, Major League Baseball doesn't. The NBA does it now. So who? Well, the NBA has a one and done rule. There's a alternative, you know, and that may go away for because for a while it wouldn't. But you know, we're talking football here. So there's an alternative league that's coming up now that for basketball players to go into. So so what about football? I don't know. You know, it's got to be connected to college. And, and so yeah, you even have some guys that you feel sorry for because you know they're not academic guys. You know, and some people aren't. And I wish people around in our society these days would understand that, you know, we've evolved to the point and there's so many people that have gone to college now and there's so much education. I think Elon Musk was talking about this the other day. Not a big Elon Musk follower or anything, but I thought this would bring true. He was talking, he's like, well, you have the ability to go learn now without college to educate yourself because of technology. And that's true. You have to, you used to have to go to the library to learn, right? Now, sometimes people get on the internet and they learn the wrong thing. Ooh, boogeyman. Oh, internet. Uh, but, but, but everybody now, kids these days, generation Z, they're much more educated about the world and, and how things operate than maybe we were in Gen X. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the thing. So, you know, you, you don't have to tie it. To education and there's some guys out there that are great at football but they and they're not bad people they just they just they aren't built to go to college and so so whose responsibility is it to create those opportunities is it is it the colleges and institutions and and, and, and the legions of fans no it's it's the nfl and some may say well if they create a minor league for football it's going to ruin college football. No, it's not. Uh, and, oh, well, if they create a minor league, those minor leaguers are going to be the guys that play pro ball, and nobody from college is ever going to get drafted. No, it's not. Same, it's the same concept as, as Major League Baseball, uh, and where, you know, a chunk of the guys are from the minors, a chunk of the guys are, 
you know, did play college and then went to the minor, that kind of thing. Football is developmental. It's more developmental than baseball or basketball, and they have minor leagues. So whose responsibility? It's the NFL. You know, and I like the NFL, love the NFL, love watching it. It's a lot of passion, uh, different kind of passion than college. Uh, I think they've got a, a, a tremendously valuable product, right? A tremendously valuable product. But they're the ones that are stealing from people because they have an employee training and development program that they don't have to fund one single bit at all, at all. And that's the unfair portion of it. And that's what you, people want to vilify college coaches and institutions and fans and uh, college football is this, that, and the other. Uh-uh. You know, the, the only, the unfair thing about college football is, is that you have to go to college to go to the NFL. Now you may say, well, JC, uh, jobs require college degrees and that's valid, but you compare it to other sports and you're li- you limit opportunity, and, and that's unfair. You limit uh, income. That's unfair. You, you risk injury. That's unfair. You know, you put your body through a lot when you play football. It's unfair. If you don't want to do it for free, you shouldn't have to. But that's not the responsibility of college football. That's the responsibility of the league that makes billions of dollars, that, that's the richest league on earth, I think. I think it's may not, well, I don't know the financials for English Premier Soccer or whatever, but one of the richest leagues on earth, that's their, their responsibility. And they're like, well, JC, what if they start a minor league, all the good players are going to go. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's a myth. That's that's everybody. That's the That's my – my industry shining through on you guys, you know, recruiting rankings. And and I do this every year in the draft. I'm like, yeah, there's 32 guys drafted. 18 of them weren't even four or five stars. So, you know, that's the thing about football. You know, four years from now, the top players are not going to be the same top players. Whereas in baseball, barring like an injury or something or, or basketball, a guy's got it or he doesn't. Now, baseball, they make scouting mistakes or whatever. Oh, we didn't know he couldn't hit the curve. Well, Serrano bets. Remember Major League? Oh, no, throw him a curveball, you know. But uh, that, that's whose responsibility this is. And it's kind of funny. I never say, see anybody uh, from the national college football media blaming the NFL for any of it. None. Uh, and I think that's exactly who – is to blame uh, if you want to talk about why do college players not get paid? Why are they, why are the coaches making this? It's because the NFL is freeloading off of college football uh, as a minor league system. So you think, well, what what are the repercussions going to be with all the good players? None. You know, is college football going to be this valuable if they're good players going to a minor league? None. Because college football, the value in it is us. Those of us that love it and talk about it and promote it, and those of you out there that are passionate and live and die by it. And like I said, it's a it's it's everywhere in America. From Starkville to Los Angeles to Seattle to New Brunswick, New Jersey, down to Coral Gables, Florida. 
it is a universally beloved thing and in its in its identity with a lot of us is through our communities through our communities you know you can even go into the, the the hbcus look at how passionate those fans are i love the hbcus i, love, I watch the celebration bowl watch a lot of uh, hbcu football look at the passion and the pageantry uh with, with those schools you know, it is a universally beloved sport. And it's not because of all that freaking, you know, you know, great players. Uh, you know, oh, well, let's tune in. I, uh, Heisman, you know, you get a, you get great TV ratings for a team that like a, like the Army Navy game. How many of those guys are going to play pro football? How, what are the ratings for that? The value of college football is in the brand. And it's not college football's responsibility to be a minor league for the NFL. That is the NFL's responsibility. That's who should be vilified. And that's that's just the very the three percent I'm talking about. Why I hate the fact that the media continues to vilify this sport and, and want to uproot it and act like it's you know oh my god you know you're taking advantage of everybody making all this money. Um, and this has nothing to do with NIL. I like NIL. You know I think. Shoot, you know, if, you, if you're, like I've said many times, if you're a music major and you can play the hell out of the fiddle and you're in a Charlie Daniels cover band that makes $2,000 at the hockey tonk every Saturday night, it doesn't make a damn if you're in college or not. And these kids should be able to go do that and, 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 and make outside income on who they are. Now, I would like to make it about who they are and what they've accomplished and not as a recruiting enticement. But it has nothing to do with NIL. This has to do with, you know, the exploitation narrative when you're talking about coaching salaries and the money they're making. So so that's the 3% that make it to the pros, okay? What about the 97% of scholarship athletes who play college football and they're they're just not pro players because there's a small percentage? What about those guys who college and the ability to go to college – and the scholarship and the uh, the the lack of you know financial uh, being tied down financially and what kind of a start in life does that get them off to? The ninety seven percent that aren't going to play pro football. Does anybody ever talk about these guys? Does the national media ever say, "Hey, this guy's got a you know walked into a six figure job because uh, he got a business degree for free playing football at school X." And he networked through the alumni, and, and there you go. You know, he walks into a six-figure job. But would he have that without college football? Probably not, no matter what kind of background he came from or what kind of grades he made. It, it's a tremendous facilitator of opportunity. You know, would I be in favor of maybe when the kids walk out the door, those that don't play college ball because of what you put your body through to play college football and all that, would I be in favor of, of, a, of a big, gigantic uh, health insurance program that kept keeps them covered for a while or life or whatever? It's expensive, but life, uh, yeah. Would I be in favor of handing them, you know, hundred grand once they leave the program to build generational wealth, to buy a house, to start a business? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely they can get more of the pie, but this notion that you know, these idiots, this idiot that's out there, the lawyer that wants to unionize in California, wants to unionize the sport, this moron, you know, they, you know, let's get all these kids, they're college kids, man. 
You know, let's get them to say the stupidest crap of the world. Oh, we need half the revenue. No, you're not half the value. Because you know what? Like I said, that 3% is going to go on and have that opportunity to play ball. And you know what? There's going to be another 3% that's right down there that, that's playing, you know, the, the group of five. And they're going to come to power five. And, and with the portal these days, it's going to maybe work itself out anyway. And then the FCS guys are going to move up. And then blah, blah, blah. And it goes all the way down to division two. And there's going to be a 3% pool uh, of guys who would love to play college ball, but it ended in high school because they weren't good enough. Well, those guys are now going to get an opportunity. And the college brands and the college football passion and the love and the sport is going nowhere. And you're like, well, JC, what you know? What about the the fact that you know the, the college guys going to play pro ball? That's not going to happen. No, that's not true. It's going to be just like the major league draft or the NBA draft. You're going to have college guys because the good players aren't always the one. Like four years later, you know, you're like, God, this guy's good. Is this a fact in this sport when you're evaluating it? You miss, you know. So, so, so let's do that. I, I, I am in favor of if everybody's all pissed off and thinks that college football is corrupt, and 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 I'm not talking about recruiting violations and that that type of corruption. I'm talking about you know that they're 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 taking advantage of kids. If that's the case, get get on Roger Goodell, get on the the 32 owners billionaires in that league. And say, hey, you need to start creating opportunity. You know, you need to start doing this. This is your responsibility. Don't get on the colleges. Don't get on Brian Kelly, who, who coached for 10 years at Grand Valley freaking state, uh, you know, maybe hoping one day he could, you know, get his 401k up to go buy that small condo in Florida so he and his wife can, can, can uh, you know, retire happily that worked his way up to Central Michigan, to Cincinnati, to Notre Dame, and then they got paid at LSU. Don't, don't, don't hate on him. Don't hate on that guy. That's, he's what America's all about. You know, you want to you talk about justice and unfairness. America is not about freeloading. America is not about this situation where, you know, you have an entire multi-billion dollar industry swimming in cash. And and they their entire employee training program is free. And oh, by the way, they can cut you at any time. There is no risk in the NFL. None. Oh, we drafted this guy, he wasn't good enough. We cut him. We gave him a sign-in bonus, you know. Oh, oh we, we don't have to do minor leagues. Colleges take care of that for us. It's BS. And yet, college football, Brian. There, you want you want to crucify Brian Kelly and and all these guys. You know, crucify these guys, these coaches that are out there trying to make a difference in the lives of young people by and large. You know, and 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 taking care of the ninety seven percent, just like they take care of the three percent. You want to crucify those guys, but the thirty two billionaires that own NFL teams that are that are freeloading. No, let's not say anything about it. So there's my rant. There's my rant about what's wrong with college football and the national media and how misguided they are with everything. So anyway, hopefully somebody hears that. And, you know, J.C. Sherbert, you know, he's he's just talking about the Gamecocks now. But, uh, you know, sometimes i got a good thought in my head. It's my birthday, by the way, 45th birthday. Glad to do that. 
uh, little rant there on my 45th birthday. And uh, anyway, by the way, by the way, guys, I do hope all of you had a Merry Christmas and all of that. Um, no mail. We don't have any mailbag questions today. Well, uh, let me, let me, uh, I'll get to one. By the way, there's two ways to get in the mailbag. I'll get to two, actually. I'll go ahead and I have two questions. So, um, first one, uh, by, oh, shoot. I uh, forgot about our sponsors, the iHope Consulting Mailbag, Jason. I'm not sure how I forgot about that because Daniel Owens from iHelp is also a sponsor of JB and Goldwater. You can catch me there. We're no show on Wednesday. They are not, there's no show till January 3rd uh, from our boys with JB and Goldwater. But I do encourage you to go back, download their podcast, listen to the segments. Always great, not only Gamecock stuff, but Braves, Clemson, anything in the state of this relevant, the state of South Carolina, uh, JB and Goldwater will do it for you. But, um, I help consulting does sponsor the I help consulting mailbag here on inside the Gamecocks podcast. And if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money, right? And that's where I help consulting can help. It's a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you may be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember if they can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. You may be sitting there going, well, gosh, how much can you save? 50 grand, 48 grand, even five grand. And uh, here's how Daniel gets paid. He doesn't just charge you, like, oh, it's $10,000 and I may save you 500. No, that's radio consulting, right? Uh, I've ranted about that before. But this is awesome because he only takes a percentage of your first year savings. And if he, you know, like I said, if he can't save you any money, it's no cost to you. So call him right now, 843-372-5713, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting. How can I help you? That website's also iHelpConsulting.com. Please, 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 if you hit up iHelp, tell them JC sent you. Uh, that really helps me, helps Daniel. We'll all have a happy time. You'll make my birthday happy. You'll, you'll give me a birthday present. Hit up iHelp or Heritage or Cindy. Uh, our great sponsors here on the podcast that make it possible to do it. All right. The mailbag, two ways to get in the mailbag. You can tweet to at the big spur pod and Austin checks in. And we only got two questions here, but that's fine. I've been, I've been at it a little while. Um, he says, JC, any updates on Javante McClendon? I know that Hale said he wouldn't be signing with us, but McClendon posted on Instagram. He would be in Columbia soon. Rumors were that the charges were dropped. I don't know yet with him um what i was told was it it may end up being a bad look uh if they do bring him in so maybe not but uh i would consider it up in the air now i'll say this i can't rule it out right uh, i'm not going to rule out javante being a part of this class uh but right now i just don't know that I just don't know what will happen, okay? Uh, and I think that w- with my contacts within the program, uh, there's some skepticism that it will. And I know what he put on Instagram, and I saw it. Uh, and I do think those charges were dropped, but, you know, he, I don't know. <laughs> um, that's just one of those things. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Because is it, is, was it bad enough that even getting an accusation – is uh, 
going to kick you off. I don't because you, you don't always have to be convicted in a court of law to do the wrong thing. I'll say that. Now I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know the details of Javante, uh, but, but there have been guys kicked off this team, you know, that weren't necessarily you know, subject to criminal charges. You have to, you have to kind of maintain a standard. So that's my thing there. Uh, so, so the answer to that, Austin, is I don't know for sure, but I'd say 75-25, he's not going to be part of the class. And uh, that's the only tweet I got. And so I got one email here, and this is a good one. Jared, moving forward is the name of this email. JC, first, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoyed time with your family. I did. I had, I had actually one of the best Christmases I've had in a long, long time, uh, right here, you know, uh, in, uh, is in Chicago, actually, uh, outside of Chicago. And, uh, it was just very peaceful, very peaceful. It's kind of crazy. Cause you know, I, I, uh, uh, we ate some good meals and, and I, I just kind of helped my help, helped clean up and get ready and cook and all that. And, you know, last couple of Christmases, I, I kind of used it as a drinking holiday and uh, didn't do that this year, and I actually felt better about it. So maybe, uh, and look, I, when I, you know, the, the Christmas for a lot of people, Christmas is a drinking holiday, and I, I don't, I don't judge. Growing up, it was not for me, but as an adult, you know, a few times, it, you know, in recent years, it's become that way. So I, I I'm kind of glad it, it wasn't. So I'm, I'm kind of back to, uh, I'm kind of back to, hey, let's, you know, maybe wait till your birthday, which is today, and I will have some beers later. Uh, he says, first of all, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoy time with your family. I'm ready for Thursday to get here at the bowl game, but I'm worried about it when it does. Just can't shake the feeling Satterfield will call a terrible game, and our losing streak against the ACC will continue. Um, I'm going to address this real quick. I I don't have any faith in the – you guys know where I stand with that. I do think in a bowl situation, if you – you know, based on some some chatter from uh, this, I mean, they're going to have to do a little something different, I think, um, just with the opt-outs and, and all that, especially quarterback. Uh, you know, you have to kind of scale it to what you can do. Now, Do I, are they going to do it? I don't know. But um, in a bowl situation like this, knowing that, that a win would be really good for the program, uh, and Shane Beamer and all that, uh, knowing him, it, it would not surprise me to see the Gamecocks attempt to pull out all the stops uh, against the Tar Heels. Uh, and, and you have nothing to lose, really, except a, a mayonnaise bath at the end. <laughs> uh, so why not? You know, Zeb Nolan's last game, whatever. Uh, you know, so do I have faith that there's going to be this brilliantly called uh, Steve Spurrier against Clemson in 2006 style game plan? No, not at all. Not even close. Do I think we could see some things that catch the North Carolina defense, which is not very good, although they are talented uh, off guard? Uh, maybe, yeah. The, the, this this defense that they run at North Carolina, I, I think – and look, Jay Bateman's their D coordinator. He came from Army, obviously, was a guy that – some of the, you know, talking about being the coordinator with the Gamecocks. I, you know, and I look at what they try to do, and maybe some of you X's and O's guys can, can tell me I'm wrong. But I look at North Carolina's recruiting, and I look at where they recruit D-line heaven, 
And I'm like, why are you running a three-man front most of the time? Because, yes, there's a bunch of D linemen in the Carolinas, especially North Carolina, South Carolina, whatever. But there's not a lot of big nose tackle types, you know. Now, the one, the best nose tackle in the country did come from North Carolina, uh, and he's in Georgia. But, um, you, you know, I, I think North Carolina needs to be a four-man front. I, I think you can go – you could go multiple, kind of like Clayton White does at South Carolina, but I, I, I the, the, what they do there is a little bit different. And in that defense, there's a lot of gaps and all that good stuff. So – my point is, is that you can catch them on. This is not a team on defense based on their body of work that South Carolina should just go into thinking they're going to shut them down. This isn't Clemson or Auburn or uh, even Florida's defense coming into that game, you know, A&M, whoever. Uh, it's more like the Missouri defense, not not historically bad and schizophrenic like the Missouri defense, but – it, that's that's kind of what they do now. South Carolina's run defense is very good. Pass defense is uh, statistically so. So this isn't necessarily a game where the offense is going into it, even with Zeb a quarterback uh, or or whatever, uh, where they have no chance. So 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 I just want to point that out. That, I mean, th- there's no excuse for South Carolina to go out there and throw up three. Now was the Virginia defense? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, two years. Yeah, but that that was a different coaching staff, a different year, different era. You know, when you're in your first year and you go to a bowl like this, you, you want to go win it. And I'm not saying that Muschamp and company weren't trying to win it. I'm, I'm just saying that 2018 team had big expectations and finished seven and five, and had a defense that was completely gutted. By the time you went to that bowl, the Debo opted out, and it was a terrible game plan by Brian McClendon. Uh, and Tyson Williams gets stuffed on fourth and one. Then they had the ill-advised throw, and that was that. And, and Virginia had 40 – you know, I don't think North Carolina is going to have 43 minutes time of possession in this one. So he's like, if we get shut out again, I know the excuses will be opt-outs, no motivation to play. They're focused on next year. Nah, I think South Carolina is going to be a motivated bunch. I, I think I think if you're worried about motivation, it will be North Carolina. North Carolina was in the – they were number nine in the country to start the season. You know, uh, you know, South Carolina in the Independence Bowl a few years ago against Miami uh, played a team that was equally disappointed in Miami and equally, you know, the Gamecocks actually wanted to be there. Uh, so I'll say this. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll say this bluntly. You know, the team that is appreciative of being there is, is the Gamecocks. And, you know, the Tar Heels are, you know, after one season in the Orange Bowl, they're back in a minor bowl that's, you know, a town most a lot of them are from. I mean, where's the excitement uh, for North Carolina? They were the number nine team in the country to start the season and favored uh, to be in the ACC championship game. Some folks thought uh, they'd beat Clemson in the ACC championship game. And quite frankly, if you kind of look at Clemson, I mean, this year, that, that's not a good matchup for them uh, if both teams are at full strength. But, you know, you look at their what they've actually performed like this year, and, you know, they're a disappointment. So uh, there's no, you know, the, the opt-outs are not an excuse. The no motivation to play is not an excuse. Focused on next year is not an excuse. Those are all reasonable excuses, not the opt-outs, but 
motivation and focus on next year, those would be North Carolina excuses if, if they get beat. He says, what do you believe it will take for Beamer to finally get rid of Satterfield? Not going to address that right now. I, you know, he's like, I'm worried we're going to waste a once in a lifetime chance with Rattler because he won't admit he messed up with the satire. I think that's a, yeah, that's a valid concern. And I've got concerns about a Spencer Rattler in Satterfield, whatever he's trying to do on offense, but that's fine. Uh, But like, let's see what happens, Jared. Uh, and then let's talk. Send me, send me these things back about Rattler. Say that if, if depending on what happens, does that sound good? Does that sound fair? Uh, he says, "May God bless you and Gamecock Nation." And amen to that. And with that, that ends. Uh, uh, I feel good about this episode here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. This is JC Sherbert signing off. Hope you guys uh, probably be back Tuesday, Wednesday at least Tuesday, Wednesday, going to preview it. Um, probably have more episodes. We've had like one or two episodes a week during the holiday. We'll probably have more uh, and definitely have more starting in January. Got some exciting things coming up. But, um, you know, going to have – going to be back. Going to be back. Won't be a week this time. Uh, please continue to pray for John Whittle. He's my friend. Uh, love the guy to death. Uh, can't say enough about him. Not only the work he's done and how he's helped our business thrive, but just uh, what he means to me and a lot of others personally. Uh, just uh, please continue to pray for him and everybody else that's had kind of a, a so-so holiday. There's a lot out there. Folks, God bless you. Hope you have a good one. It's bowl week, game week again. Back in the bowls for the first time since 2018. Uh, it's not a, a uh, it's not the orange bowl. It's not the sugar bowl. It's not the cotton bowl, but it's a, uh, it's better than no bowl. It's better to always have Gamecock football than to not. I say many times, you're only guaranteed 12 weekend or 12 game days a year, and you're lucky to get 13, 14, 15. Uh, and then at least 352 days for us to talk about it. But uh, they're sacred. Uh, you only get so many. And, and certainly um, we'll be previewing, uh, digging more into the keys of the game against North Carolina because there are some are some things South Carolina can do, Carolina can do, uh, to uh, you know, allow them to have some success. That This is not uh, some kind of impenetrable force. I know – uh, and I'll remind everybody that one of the worst teams the Gamecocks have had the last 10, 15 years beat North Carolina, one of the better teams they had under Fedora uh, in Charlotte. So don't uh, don't think just because Sam Howell worked some magic against uh, one of the worst called defenses I've ever seen at South Carolina uh, back in 2019. And no, I'm not blaming Jake Bentley for it, but we'll get into that argument another time. Um, just because that happened, you know, don't, don't think this is some, I mean, this team was in the top 10. This team is six and six and three and five. This team got beat by 23 points to Georgia, to Georgia Tech beat this team by 23 points. Okay. And Jameer Gibbs, I went back and looked, it, it wasn't like Jameer Gibbs ran all over them. Uh, go back and look at that. Anyway, folks, bless you. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Talk to you soon. JC Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecast podcast.